0: is the unconventional education show what is going on everybody welcome to another episode of the unconventional education show where we talk entrepreneurship we talk mindset and we talk life experiences to help you level up and become the best version of yourself Awesome, everybody. Well, I am fired up for today's guest. And this is another guest I actually met through the Arte Syndicate. And to be honest, I'm blown away by all of her accomplishments, what she's done in business. And I'm just as excited to learn from her as I am to share with you guys her lessons that she has to teach. So, Rachel is a business and lead generation expert and she helps purpose driven female entrepreneurs drive more traffic leads and sales through Pinterest blogging and strategic use of automation. And her numbers are insane guys. She has 34,000 monthly blog visitors. She has over 4,000 students and her story is incredible. She went from having negative $400 in her checking account, living off food stamps, and now she runs a multiple six-figure online business. And I'm just fired up for her to share her story and the topics that we're going to discuss today. So, Rachel, thank you so much for hopping on the show with us.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So I would love for you to start. Your story is incredible. Um, Just sharing your background and how you got to where you are today.
1: All right, so to get started, um, I, let's see, I grew up in the land area, moved to Africa when uh, I was in college, and that was completely life-transforming, got my master's in social work, um, and found, even with my master's from the number one program in the country, I couldn't find a job, uh, and so we ended up struggling financially on um, food stamps, had negative $400 in our checking account, and that's when I was a part of a network marketing company at the time, and I saw other people having success, and I was like, if they can do it, I can do it too. Like, there's nothing different than them. I just have to figure it out. And so I tried a lot of things and I failed for a couple of years and that was really bad. Um, but then I saw this program come out and it was teaching social media. And it was like $450 a month for six months, which was like a million dollars a month at the time. And I remember going to my husband and I was like crying. I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. And I remember like we sold everything in our house. We sold our bedroom furniture except for our bed, our dining room table, our TV, Xbox, so I could do this program. And that program completely transformed my business, my life. I was the best student because I was so invested It like financially. I showed up. I did everything and learned how to grow Facebook and Instagram, which back in 2012, 2013, those were actually really important mm-hmm. <laughs> to know. Um, so I built my Facebook fan page to 50,000 followers, Instagram to 20,000, and life was good. I was able to grow a six-figure income from using those platforms um, within two years. And then Facebook and Instagram, basically they changed the logarithm. Boom. And I had to figure something else out. So I focused on blogging and Pinterest to generate traffic. And I had no clue what the heck I was doing. It was like, all right, we're just going to try this and see what happens. And I remember noticing my traffic was increasing. And I looked at my Google analytics and I was like, where are these people coming from? Is Facebook working again? What's happening? And I saw I had 34,000 people coming to my blog every month from Pinterest. And I was like, this is crazy. And so in that network marketing business, I used Pinterest to build my email list to over 20,000 subscribers. And it was awesome until that network marketing company restructured and my income was cut in half. And I was like, oh, crap. So I figured I need to be a real entrepreneur now and be in control of my income and products and all of that. So I started, she's making an impact August of 2017. And I, one of the big things that I, I noticed, I wanted to teach social media but I noticed that Facebook and Instagram were not working and people were getting frustrated. And I was like, what's the gap? What do people want? They want lead generation and automation and they want it to be easy. And I was like, Pinterest is so easy. It's like one of those things where you can set it and not forget it, but it's so much easier than Facebook and Instagram. I still have traffic going to that fitness blog that I haven't touched in three like three years basically and still making sales from it, still driving traffic from stuff that's five years old. And I'm like, this is what people need. And so I started teaching Pinterest and launched Pin With Purpose um, September 2017. And we've had over a thousand students go through that program. Some of them tripling their sales in like 60 days. And yeah, that's kind of, oh, and I started, I grew this business also while we were living in France um, for two years and we're moving to Senegal next
0: year. So that is awesome. That's so cool. So your start was really in network marketing.
1: Yep, Mm -hmm. I think it's such a good introduction to entrepreneurship because I don't think I would have thought to start my own business (laughs) if it weren't for network marketing. I was like an accidental entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes people think different. Network marketing is my main business, and I think it's just such a good gateway to get people into that personal development, like starting to realize that we're in control of our lives, and there's so many positive aspects. So, you were using like what you were learning on social media to build your network marketing business at first. Mm-hmm. and how were you going about that? Because there's a lot of network marketers who listen to this show, so that would be a cool place to start.
1: Yeah, so with, with Pinterest, what I was doing is I was creating content, and I very much brand myself. So I wasn't blogging or creating content about the products or the company I was representing. It was very much me Niching down specifically to keto and intermittent fasting and adding value that way. And so I'd be getting people on my email list and just welcome them into our community. And so from our email list, that's when I'm able to really build a connection, build a relationship with them through our email list and invite them to join our free Facebook group where we have other people on our fit health and fitness journey and do challenges and stuff in there where we're able to basically build that relationship and then connection, sell our products or whatever it is that my goal was at the time.
0: I love that. And I love how you talked about how you weren't really promoting the product or the company. Like it was yourself, you were branding yourself, which Mm -hmm. I think people need to make that switch. It's so important because people think they join a company and they they need to be posting their products and and all their opportunity everywhere. And it's just the exact opposite.
1: Yep. It's like, I think... It was Shaleen Johnson that talked about this. It's curiosity marketing. Mm -hmm. And so getting people to be curious about what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're using instead of just like blasting it in their face because they're being blasted with stuff all over the place. And so instead show up, add value and serve them in a way that makes them curious about what it is that you're doing and what you're about.
0: I love that. So Let's start with Pinterest. There's a lot of women who listen to this show and it's you are good for men too, it
1: though. It's good for men too. I think that's a huge misconception that it's only for like bored housewives. That's not true.
0: Really? I would love to learn. And like I said, yeah. I, I'm happy. I was pumped into this podcast because I knew I was going to learn a lot too. So let's get the rundown on Pinterest and what you're doing over there.
1: Yeah. So Pinterest, what makes it different than Facebook, Instagram, it's a search engine. And so people are going there specifically to search for something. And so that's when you can really show up and stand out by understanding who your ideal client is and getting in their head and thinking when they're on Pinterest, what are they searching for? So that way you're using those, we call them long tail keywords. And so it's just like a phrase that they're actually searching for. And so think about the difference with Facebook and Instagram. It's like they're scrolling and you have to interrupt their pattern to get their attention. With Pinterest, it's different because they're actively seeking out knowledge on a specific thing and or shopping for a specific thing. And so pinners are buyers. So they're there looking and like they're in the research stages of buying something. And so you have the opportunity if you can understand what it is that they're searching for to show up.
0: Interesting. So, Uh so you basically like, I, I don't understand fully how the platform works. I've never really used it. My mom and sister use it a lot. So when you're kind of like, you create like a page, like how does it work exactly?
1: So let's say you're searching for something. You're going to search in the search bar and you're going to see pins show up related to that search. So I'll give an example. Let's say you're searching for keto peanut butter fat bombs. So I created a blog post about that and a recipe. And so you search for that, you see my pin, it's at the very top. You, you can read the pin description to see like, is this actually something I want to read or like I'm interested in. And then you click on the pin and it takes you to that specific blog post. And then when you're on that blog post, that's where you have the ability to add value to that pinner and then have a specific call to action that's going to take them to that next step, what that next step in the relationship would be, which is getting on your email list.
0: Awesome. So have you primarily built your email list through Pinterest? Yeah. Okay. Because I saw you know one of the topics you train on, and this is something I'm in the process of right now, is building that email list. Mm-hmm. And because I've realized how valuable it is, and I've kind of not really been focusing my attention there. So yeah. let's talk email list a little bit too. Like yeah. the, the value, how you've built yours for free. I think you you said you have almost 20,000 people on your email list. Is it more now?
1: So that was in my fitness business, 20,000 subscribers for free, probably way more. I actually, like I was adding so many people to my email list and I wasn't running that business anymore and you have to pay per subscriber. So I like shut it down. I like turned off our opt-ins and everything. And I was like, we don't, I don't. Yeah. So probably could have had at least like 30, 40,000, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, so the importance is you don't own Facebook and you don't own Instagram and you don't own YouTube. And so at any point, those platforms could get shut down. Your account could be completely shut down and you don't own anything there. So you could have worked so hard to build a platform where you have a hundred thousand followers. And what happens when Zuckerberg decides to change the logarithm? And you don't have an ability to actually connect with them outside of that platform, right? So you need a place that you own and that you control that experience, which is with your email list, you own that. Zuckerberg can't take that away from you. And that's what makes it so, so powerful is having, you're building your business on a firm foundation of something that you own and can control.
0: So when you get first, let's start, like, how do you, it, I, you just mentioned in Pinterest, how you kind of direct them to their emails. So are you using yeah. like different types of lead magnets for free? Like, mm-hmm. what do you suggest people do to collect their emails who are just getting started, who are brand new to this?
1: So what you don't want to do is have a newsletter. And I see like a lot of times people have like a little box at the bottom of their website being like, subscribe to my newsletter. You don't want to do that. You want to have something that's juicy and valuable, and it's going to offer them a quick win that's related to the content that you're putting out there. So let's say I have the keto peanut butter fat bomb example. That's like the content that I created. I have a free keto grocery list or a free keto meal plan that you can subscribe to. So it's basically like you put your name and email and I'll send you this free keto meal plan that's helped me lose 80 pounds after I had my son.
0: I love that. So that's mm-hmm. something that people are just like immediately they're, they're drawn to, they're getting something totally and an mm-hmm. immediate takeaway.
1: And it's related to exactly what they were searching for. And that's why you want to make sure your content, your, your blog, everything is specific and niched down. So in my fitness business, before I was trying to be like all things to all people and, um, doing all things health and fitness. And it wasn't until I realized by looking at my Google analytics that my most popular content was intermittent fasting and keto. And that's what I niched everything down and made all my content around that. So when someone's searching for keto, they land on my website and they're just like, dang, this is exactly what I was looking for.
0: So do you have different lead magnets that you use in like different areas of like cuz I know you're on different platforms um so do you have multiple magnets for like say you do a specific post mm-hmm. a blog post about the the keto balls you're talking about right and then you have the grocery list um is there different magnets you use I guess for different situations
1: You can depending on the topic um so I've example you don't have to but you can so in my this business, Pinterest, we have my, um, Pinterest cheat sheet. So that's one where it's 10 smart strategies to getting more leads with Pinterest. And then I created a blog post that really started taking off. And it's the secret to using keywords on Pinterest. And I created a specific lead magnet for that blog post and we call it a content upgrade. And so if you have one specific blog post that is like taken off, you can create a freebie. That's basically upgrading that content. That's going to make it like, such a logical next step for them. So to keep it simple, I would say in the beginning, if you're just brand new, start with one, that's going to be pretty much what you would use for everything. It's like a universal lead magnet, but as you start to get more advanced, you can obviously create others. So in this business we have like, we do webinars. So we have my free Pinterest class. We do five day challenges. We do all different kinds of things to build our email list. Cause that's our primary focus is how can we build our email list?
0: I love it. So, you have this magnet and people subscribe to it, they Mm -hmm. opt into it. So, what happens from there after they get the lead magnet?
1: Oh, such a good question. So, a few things. One, we have a baby offer on the thank you page. And this is an opportunity. We use Pinterest and Facebook ads to build our email list because I think it's smart to diversify your traffic. You're not reliant on one thing. And so, by having a baby offer, which is a $27 thing that we're selling, you're able to recoup that investment from Facebook ads. Mm. Right. And so we have that on the thank you page. And then once they're on our email list, whether or not they buy that baby offer or not, they're getting a series of emails from us, which we call a nurture sequence. And so they're getting five to seven emails over the next five to seven days. I forget how many we have, but I would, you could start with three to five, like keep it simple, start with three to five, but you can do more. Um, And every day they're getting a specific email from us with a specific call to action. And so think about what's that end goal, where do you want to take them? So for us, I'm like, all right, our goal, they're coming for Pinterest. We wanna help them get started in Pin With Purpose, our Pinterest course. And so in those emails we're introducing, you know, me, right? I'm introducing myself to them. Building that relationship, building rapport, sending them helpful content. I'm sending them blog posts and podcasts that we've done. And I'm also educating them on Pinterest. And so, because a lot of times people need to be educated, they don't understand how powerful the platform is. So, I'm taking the time in my email nurture sequence to do that and then invite them to a free automated webinar that we have where they can learn more. And so, the whole goal of that email nurture sequence is to establish that relationship and think about what's the actions that you want them to take. And then making sure you're emailing every day. You don't want to have them sign up for your lead magnet and then you disappear and you email them a week later. Cause even a week it's too long. They're going to forget who you are. They're being bombarded by stuff all the time. So you want to make sure you're showing up every day for that first week. And then thinking about how could I stand out and be different? So in our email nurture sequence, I am very much myself. I use the language that I speak. So I say things like dude, and I put that in those emails and I include friends gifts and I'm putting things in there that are going to make me memorable. So when they see my next email, they're like, oh, there's that chick that likes friends. Right. Mm. So, yeah. Very important.
0: I love how I think a lot of people are running ads to like their top offer, right? Their biggest offer they have. So are you solely running ads to get emails basically?
1: We do a mixture. So we'll do a mixture of to our freebie. We'll do a mixture of ads to our baby offer and then to our webinar.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So basically like your your main objective though is to collect emails with your ads.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. Yep cool yeah that that's awesome so i love how the email sequence work and i'm assuming that you have like an automated like a trigger that it sets right
1: yep we use active campaign
0: active campaign Mm -hmm. okay yeah because this stuff is so important and like i said for me i'm working on it too and a lot of the stuff that you're saying is stuff that mentors have been you know educating me on and plugging me into so i think that's such um an awesome way to build and build that relationship on a large scale and so as they go through your ultimate goal is to bring them to a webinar, which educates them about your, your bigger offer about becoming one of your clients.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: So what is, let's just talk about it just for people who are listening, if they're interested in everything they're hearing, like what does your biggest offer entail or like working with you as a client entail?
1: So the first offer would be Pin with Purpose, and that's our online course teaching people how to use Pinterest. And so it's like diving deep into that. And then on the back end, we have a 12, um, 12-month group coaching program called Activate, and that's helping people start growing scale in online business. And so we teach a lot of the systems, the automations creating and selling an online course and making that evergreen. And then I do private coaching. Very very smallly, just because I have two babies (laughs) at home, Um, and my time is valuable. But that is another thing that we offer too.
0: I love that. So let's let's backtrack because before you were talking about niching down, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people want to be everything, and 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 just like they'll be like, I'm a business coach, and they want to take on all aspects of business, or like like you know what I mean? They they just start way too broad. How do you? And you described how you niche down because you realized that you were getting more traction in one area, but how do you recommend people like to go about niching down to figure out what they should focus on?
1: Do market research market research. So talk to your ideal clients and see what are you struggling with? And so when I started this business, one of the first things that I did was a post on Facebook. Hey, who here is an entrepreneur? I'm looking to talk with some successful entrepreneurs um, just to interview them for like 15 minutes. And so I just reached out. I did like seven or 10 interviews, um, just asking them about their business, their goals, their struggles, and seeing what that gap was that I could fill. And so by doing that, I was able to really understand them and that how I could really best serve them.
0: Asking questions.
1: Yeah. I mean, a really good book is Ask by Ryan Levesque and he dives deep into just market research.
0: I love that. Yeah, I mean, your, your customers will tell you. I feel like it, they, the market yes. always responds. The market always will tell you exactly what they're looking for.
1: Exactly. And so I started really narrow with Pinterest and my students in Pin With Purpose, they're, they're asking me over and over again, Rachel, how did you do this? How did you create this business? How did you launch an online course? How did you do $50,000 in five days with that launch? And I'm like, do you want me to teach you that next? And so that's kind of like where Activate came from was my students asking me, how did you do this and make this happen?
0: That's so awesome. And that can uh, lead us to the next topic we're gonna talk about. So course creation, and you've been crushing it with your online courses. The first question I wanted to ask, are your courses automated or are you involved? They're all automated.
1: All automated. I remember when I first started doing this and we took a family trip to, to Disney World and as we were at Disney, I was like, I just made over a thousand dollars today from my online courses that are completely automated while I was hanging out with the family. And I was like, mind blown. And then they just kept selling and it, yeah, it's it's magical.
0: Well, I mean, it seems like you haven't figured out cause I mean, the email sequence is automated. You have your webinars automated. Did you start with the webinars automated or did you trans? No,
1: no, no, no. So that's one of the things we teach and Activate is you need to do them live. Mm -hmm. Like you need to, we did it live and I'm doing this process again, because we're actually doing live webinars for activate starting on the 28th. And we'll be doing a live webinar every week. And by doing them live, you're able to see what's landing, what's not landing. And you're going to look at your numbers, the numbers of how many people registered, how many people showed up. You want to get at least 30% show up rate. How many people bought on the webinar? How many people bought after the webinar? How many people bought payment plan? How many people bought pay in full? And so you're looking at all these things. And if you go straight to Evergreen, you're not going to be able to optimize all those numbers. And so when I was first doing, um, I was doing a webinar for the Impact Blogging Academy, which is a course that we discontinued um, and transferred that into Activate. And I noticed when we were doing that webinar, no one was doing pay in full. Everyone was doing payment plan, and that sucks because then you miss out on a lot of the payments because a lot of times people stop paying. And your goal is to get as many pay in fulls as possible. And so all I did was the next time I did that webinar, I added a juicy painful bonus and then voila, it was like 80% painfuls. And I'm like, all right, but I wouldn't have known that if I got straight to evergreen.
0: So how long do you recommend going with the live webinars just so you feel like you've got a good handle on how no, the we, webinars being?
1: Yeah. Just know your numbers and know, all right, if we don't have 30% show up ratio, what do we need to change with our nurture sequence? If we don't have 50% people buying live, what do we need to change with our like urgency bonus? If we don't have 50% people buying after, what do we need to change with our follow up sequence? And so it's just looking at all these different metrics basically.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. This is so much value pouring out. I appreciate it. First of yeah. all, I'm, just list- I'm like already planning on listening back to this because so much of what you're doing is where the direction I'm heading in. Cause I've, like cool. I said, network marketing is my main business, but we've started creating courses and the email lists and doing all of that. So I was, like I said, pumped to talk to you. So as for the online course, so you've had some very successful launches, it seems like, and you continue to bring a lot of traction to your courses. What goes into making a successful online course?
1: Ah, so let's see. The biggest thing is knowing your client and what it is that they need and creating it with your clients to start with. And so the first time I launched pin with purpose, I did it with them. And so I pre-sold it. I didn't have it created yet. And so I was able to drip module one module per week and listen to their feedback And so I dripped the module and then we did a live Q and a every week. And I was able to see where did I miss the mark? Like, cause a lot of times we're so close to what we know that we don't realize we're over teaching. And so I was able to listen to that feedback to say, all right, I really need to dumb it down here and make it so, so, so simple. Um, And so pre-selling it and then just taking messy action and getting it out there. Because what I see a lot of times is people think it needs to be perfect before they launch and it'll never be perfect. You Mm. just need to get it out there and then you can always make it better as you go. But the biggest thing is listening to your clients. And I know for, Our students in particular, a lot of them are busy moms. And so I make our videos really short, sweet, to the point. And so there's no fluff. It's like each video is typically five minutes, maybe like definitely no more than 10 minutes per video. That way it's like they can get in, out, boom. We also make sure we do a mixture of video, PDF downloads, checklists. And that way we're appealing to all the different learning styles. And so all of this, I did not know when I first launched. So it's okay. If you're just like starting, you're like, I'm just going to put it out there. That's fine. Cause you can always get better as you're hearing feedback and that kind of thing. Um, but that's one of the biggest things too, is just understanding their learning style. And then also we have a nurture sequence for our students. And so as they sign up, it's a six week course. So we have six weeks of emails that's going to help them because what I don't want is for them to buy a course and then for them to never complete it. Because the completion rate of courses is awful, and so you need to look at what can I do as the course creator to help them follow through and so one of the things we do is we have that email nurture sequence, and then, as I looked at where like where are we missing the mark, where can we support them even more? I actually started paying someone one of our students who 's crushing it with pinterest, and she 's gone through our course, and she really knows her stuff. She is um, basically doing coaching calls for our pin with purpose students, so twice a month they get to jump on with her and ask her any questions on where they're getting stuck and then post in the Facebook group. And she's there to respond in the beginning. I probably would have done that myself, but now I'm busy. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, how can I leverage my time? And so again, I didn't have all of this when I first started, this is like three years of processing and making it better over having a thousand students in that one program. Um, but just start, take messy action and get her done.
0: Yeah, I mean that's so true. I lo- I love how you you keep referring back to how like you're like I didn't know this when I started. You're figuring it no. out as you go. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so important though. It's with everything we do. It's like you normally I feel like with starting a podcast, I had no idea what I was doing and it's yeah. like you just start. You start yeah. and you figure it out and you get better as you go. It's just like experience is going to make you better at it. Totally. I I love that. So, for your course like when you launch them and I know now that you've, you know, built up your email list and everything, it's probably I wouldn't say easier, but more simple to launch it out and like roll it out to, you know, your following and the people you've been nurturing and loving on through the relationship building with the email. So what about someone's first course? Like, where do you suggest that they start with when they, you know, they get it together, they're rolling it out. Like, how do you suggest they go about it?
1: I would do a webinar or a five day challenge. And so you could do like a series of three webinars in a week where it's the same webinar. You're just doing it different days and different times or a five-day challenge. You could run paid traffic to it if you want to. Otherwise you're going to hustle and leverage, leverage other people's audiences like getting a podcast, getting in Facebook groups, taking over someone's Instagram stories um, and all of that to, to get it out there. But here's one thing I want to make clear. I would not have a bunch of different courses. And so even now I would not go out and launch a new course because I want to maximize pin with purpose and activate. Like those are our two core offers that I want to make sure we are like crushing it with those two things. And think about like, think about like a show, like a play or something like that. The play, a lot of times they're successful in Vegas and then they could take it on the road and find new audiences. Mm. And that's the exact same thing with the course. So like crush it and then find new audiences, find new audiences, find new audiences.
0: So you suggest always doing some type of like build up or live component leading up to the course release or course offer.
1: If it's not automated, then yeah. I wouldn't have an automated course because we did this. We had Pin with Purpose automated and it was crushing it. And then we did a live launch for it too. And it just doesn't work when it's automated and you live launch. And so I'd pick one of one of the two. If it's automated and doing well, don't touch it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Are you talking about in terms of like the whole process, like if it, the whole process to sell it is automated, like the emails, yeah. the automated webinar, the but- automated
1: webinar. Yep. I wouldn't do. So we did like a five day challenge once that we had an automated webinar and the automated webinar tanked after that and we had to like rebuild it. Mm. Um, yeah. So that was a lesson learned.
0: <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> but you're all, you're always doing some type of, it's not just like for the most part, you're not just going straight to selling your course. You're always no. doing a sequence leading something. up to something.
1: Yeah. Especially if it's over $200, then you need to do some form of mechanism to sell it and create that urgency and scarcity. If it's always on your website and it's always available, people don't have a reason to buy now. Mm. And so with a webinar, it's like the bonuses disappear or the price increases or the offer goes away. And so you need to have that level of scarcity for people to actually take action.
0: I love it. Are you a Russell Brunson fan?
1: Yes, I love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I just I just got introduced to him really this year. I mean, I think I knew who he was, but mm-hmm. this year, we, obviously, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have had to adapt with COVID and Corona and everything going on. And I, I've seen a lot of people in the online space soaring and crushing it right now. But yeah. that was really something that, and like starting the podcast is really like a, a pivot I had to make. Cause I launched my book at the beginning of this. We had a whole book tour plan cool. and then it's like all of a sudden. It's gone. Right. Well, nah. But that's why, you know, figuring this out online and, and like what you're doing is so valuable right now.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's one of the cool things about having the online business. One of our students that went through Activate, she's a lactation consultant um, and built this amazing, amazing platform where she's doing online consults. And she's had like, she's crushing it. She was about to close down her business and then started working with me. And now she has other lactation consultants and she's just like expanded and grown like crazy. And she has doctors reaching out to her now that are struggling during COVID. And they're like, How did you build this online practice? Because I want to do this too.
0: I think that's so incredible. Because a lactation coach, right? Or a consultant, like people would be that seems so niche. And people are like, Oh, you can never make money in that area. But me and my guy, um, my boy Ruben, he was on one of the episodes before he does branding and we were talking about the riches are in the niches, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And
0: so do you feel like there's any niche that you can, let's just discuss this, like your, your take on the niches, because I think people are like, they, they want to serve that broader audience, but it's like, until you're pinned down and like, you're the Pinterest girl, you know what I mean? Like you're the go-to person if you want to go and dominate on Pinterest, right? Like how much value is that there in being that niche?
1: You have to earn your way to expand. And so you need to really own your specific niche before you can broaden out. And so I think about Amy Porterfield. She like dominated Facebook before she broadened out to online courses and that kind of thing, um, and like email list building and other stuff. I think about James Wedmore. He dominated YouTube before he broadened out. Right. Mm. And so you have to earn the right. And so you got to stay small for as long as you possibly can until you really start to get that brand recognition through your niche.
0: So important, mm-hmm. so important, and it's you really have you read the book The One Thing? Yeah, of yeah. That, that's a great. <laughs> that, that's a great one because it's just like you look at people. You'll see, I guess Kevin Hart's the example I always use. You see him all over the place now, but it's like it started with stand-up comedy. Yeah, so you mastered stand-up comedy on that stage he wasn't able to go and expand and become a movie star and like a Nike athlete and all these things that we see him as today yep. and people want to jump straight to that i feel like
1: they do and they think like i'm just going to be a life coach or i'm going to be a public speaker you know all these things but you have to own that one specific thing before you can do all that
0: mm. so huge so huge and if you guys are listening that is such an important piece of advice yep let's let's talk and we're we're coming to the end here but um just branding yourself right and i know you're expert at branding yourself. You consult people on branding themselves. Any tips or just advice you have? Because a lot of people on this uh, podcast are looking for ways to brand themselves.
1: The biggest thing is being you. Mm. Just be you like a hundred percent. What I see a lot of times people show up online and they think they have to be perfect and be like this marketer, you know, and I want you to think what are five things that make you, you and see how you could bring out more of that because that's really gonna, that's, what's going to connect people to you. And so in our, like our email nurture sequence, I mentioned that I lived in Africa that I played big 10 volleyball, um, just other things that make me who I am. Right. And so when they read that email, I get people respond back all the time of I played volleyball too, or, oh my gosh, I lived in, in Africa too. And they just have that connection based off of the things that I'm sharing. And so when you brand yourself, think about who are you, what makes you different? What makes you special? What makes you relatable? And how could you be more of that? And so you saw an example. My kid ran in here when we were starting the podcast, I'm a mom and I tend to attract a lot of other moms and I don't shy away from talking about, Hey, I've been up since two 30 this morning since I was nursing my baby. Right. Mm. And so I, I just share that stuff and I don't, I don't just talk Pinterest, 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 Pinterest. I talk about me. And then I also share my life experiences, stories from my life that'll be valuable. So I'll share things about my experience in Africa. I'll share things as I was growing my business or being a mom or other things that are connecting my past experiences to my business or just to life in general. It doesn't like, I, it's so funny. If you follow me on social media, I rarely talk about Pinterest, which is so funny. Um, maybe in the beginning I did, but now it's, I teach so much on like leadership mindset and I share lessons that I've learned about that. Um, but the biggest thing is how can you just be yourself, be unique, be vulnerable, and don't be afraid to just be you. So I've done Facebook live videos where I start sh- just crying, or I've done videos where I'm nursing a baby and then another kid runs in and jumps on my back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so just be yourself.
0: Yeah, so true. And it's taken me as I've built my personal brand so long to get to the point where you're like, just comfortable showing up as you and it's trial and error. I feel like, cause you try things um, you you find things that work for you. Th- find things that you're not being authentic about, that you don't feel authentic about, and you're. Just, it's yeah. just like a funnel, kind of like trying different things and honing in on that. Like yes. how you show up
1: just know that I've been doing this for 10 years. I remember when I first started my network marketing business, what I did was I looked at who are the, like the top 20 people in this business that are crushing it. I followed all of them on social media and then I would copy and paste their posts. Cause I'm like, <laughs> they posted it. I should do the exact same thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's like cringe worthy. But that's where I started and just know like, as you do this, you're gonna start to really understand your voice and being able to put that out there.
0: Love it, great advice. So the last question I want to ask you, I ask all of the people who come on the show and my book, everything I really teach and preach is how the most important lessons you learn in life come from outside of traditional school. Mm -hmm. And I've seen like you travel, you're doing, you have an obviously unconventional way of making a living in many senses. Um, What would you say your most important lesson you've learned in life has been that came from outside of traditional school so far? Oh, if you had to pick one, I know it's a tough question. Just so many. one. Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> um, do the things that make you scared and make you uncomfortable because that's where you're going to experience the most growth. So when I moved to Kenya, I was 20. I didn't know anyone on the continent. And it was like, God just told me to go and through a circum- like all of these different circumstances, I was able to go. And it was just wild how it all happened. And I was so far out of my comfort zone. I was living in a village of like a hundred thousand people and I was one of five white people. And so I would walk out of the hospital compound and I'd have like all eyes on me. And I was so self-conscious and so uncomfortable with everything. And it was like by putting myself in that situation where I was so uncomfortable, there's hardly anything that like scares me now. And mm. I could, I feel like after doing that, I came back, I was a completely different person. I'm like, I could take on the world. And so you don't have to move to Africa to experience that. But I want you to think, what are the things that make you uncomfortable and scared? And how could you lean into that? So like public speaking for me was a really big fear. Um, I remember in high school, I would like, even college too, I would like write down word for word what I was going to say. Cause I was like, I can't, I didn't trust myself to actually like speak normally like a human. Um, and so I forced myself to sign up for Toastmasters and to become a fitness instructor where I was put in like on stage in front of other people. And now I've spoken on stages to over a thousand people. And I don't, I would say I don't get nervous. I get excited. Mm. And so that's just like reframing it. Right. But doing the things that make you uncomfortable, like lean into them. Cause that's, what's really going to help you grow.
0: So huge. And I see such a common trend of people's perspectives, how broadened they are when they've gone and lived in another country or had that out of country experience. I lived in Italy for almost a year total. And Italy isn't as in like as big of a culture shock, I don't think is living in Kenya. Right. But still,
1: Still, it's different.
0: Yeah. And traveling around and I did so much traveling around Europe, like at the the only time I went to Africa, I went to Marrakesh in Morocco, which was really cool. But I want to go deeper. I had a lot of friends from Senegal in Italy, so come definitely. visit
1: Senegal. There's so uh, many Senegalese people in Italy; it's crazy.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. It was it was crazy, but I've been promising them I'm going to come, so I have to once COVID's over. But yep. I just love your perspective, everything you're doing. You're crushing it, and I'm excited to continue following you and just watching everything you do because you're going to be doing huge things. I can tell. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So where can people go to connect with you? Where are you most active? Where can they go learn more about everything that you're doing and potentially check out your courses?
1: Yeah, so we have our podcast, the She's Making an Impact podcast that you can check out. And then if you want to attend our free Pinterest class, you can just go to freepinterestclass.com. Super easy.
0: Love it. I'll put this in the show notes you guys can easily... Find it. How about on social media? Are you active on where are you most? Instagram,
1: active, right? uh, Instagram, she's making an impact. And then we have a free Facebook group called she's making an impact with 11,000 entrepreneurs.
0: Awesome. Great. I'll, I'll connect those in the show notes, but Rachel, thank you. We got so much value guys. And if you're listening and you got value from Rachel's message, which I feel like there's no way you didn't hear. Uh, all we ask is just pay this episode forward, share it with someone who needs to hear this message because I mean, this is where it's at right now. Online entrepreneurship, the world's evolving. This is where it's going and stuff she's talking about could literally change your life. So guys, thank you for listening today. I hope everybody has an amazing week and we will catch you on the next episode. Later, everybody.